Hello and welcome to the Stop, Pop, and Drop podcast, brought to you by the Runner Sports. My name is Danny Bennett. I'm here with Kyle Gearholtz, as always. Kyle, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm ready for This is a good show. This I'm is going to be a great show. I'm excited. You know, a little pride of our last class and everything, so let's get a good show going. Yeah, it's uh, Kyle and my last class tonight, so uh, we're going to try to put together a great show. We'll also be posting another episode tonight alongside this one, a very special episode that our subscribers will get in their feed as well, which is Kyle and I sitting down with Detroit sports writer Rob Parker and talking about the 03-04 Detroit Pistons. If you're not a Pistons fan, uh, maybe this isn't one for you, but either way, I think it was really interesting. And the reason we did want to do that is because... Uh, Chauncey Billups and Ben Wallace uh, are having their jerseys retired over these couple of months, and it had a lot of people thinking about that team, and uh, we just wanted to run with that. I think I think NBA fans though appreciate a story like that, some of the stories he had, and the way that team was. So I think anybody, an NBA fan, needs to check that out just just for what Rob Parker has to say about that team. I totally agree. I was just kind of sandbagging it. You know, did you sense the sandbagging there? I sense the sandbagging. I also sense maybe get to the point. This is a we play for keeps here. <laughs> All right, Kyle. Kyle's coming in hot. Uh, so we're going to start off with some big topics around the NBA, and then we've actually tailored this show to be somewhat about the youth of the NBA and some of the up-and-coming players. So from there, we're going to move into a spotlight of some of the uh, better big men in the league right now. Kyle and I are each going to pick a team of the future, and then we're bringing back the tortilla bag with all the teams in it, and we're going to draw some random teams and uh, do some unscripted banter about some NBA teams at random. So, first off, uh, Cavs crushed the Spurs last Saturday night. Yeah, kind of uh, an interesting narrative to what's been going on with the Spurs lately. Mm. I don't know if they're a bad road team. I don't mm. know if Duncan's absence is affecting them more than I thought. But it, was, it wasn't even close. Even the score, I mean, the score isn't close, but it was worse than the score so in one week they lost badly to probably the two other best teams in the NBA. Arguably the two best teams. I mean the Cavs and Thunder are right there, Agreed. neck and neck for me. Um, but as far I mean on the road, yeah, you know against two. Either way you slice it, two very good teams, and it just didn't look. They didn't look good defensively. Like I always talk, I always harp on how good they are defensively, and they just did not look it in both games. They really didn't. They didn't look together and. Um, yeah, just got kind of smoked by these two teams. I'm not going to read into it too much. I still think they're the second best team in the league. Um, looking at it from the Cavs perspective, I, I guess what I want to say is that it, it seemed to mean more about the Cavs than it did the Spurs. Maybe that's just how I'm framing it. But I think what the Cavs looked like was very uh, new. Um, they just looked really good. They were utilizing mismatches throughout the whole game. Uh, I thought this was LeBron's best game of the season. Yeah, I think Cavs fans were looking for a game that you could say, play that way, night in, night out, and you can win the title. There you go. That seemed like that kind of night. But I do think it says a little bit about the Spurs. And, you know, facing adversity, can they do it night in, night out? Like I said last week, I'm a series guy. So until this matters in what would be the NBA Finals, because they're east and west, um, I'm not going to look too much into it, like you said. But you're on the road in a tough environment. Can that team with the big three that's kind of giving way 
to some of the younger talent with Kawhi and Green and everything. And now uh, Ginobili's out for four to six weeks. I saw that. So it'll be interesting to see how this team responds. Like we said, they're going to the playoffs. Uh, we'll just see how. Yeah, they're, they're going to the playoffs. We'll see how they do in series, though. They're not the Utah Jazz. We know they're going to go to the playoffs, Kyle. Hot take alert. Yeah, gee, foreshadow. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm gonna keep talking about LeBron. Do you mind? Do I? Do I mind? So okay. So LeBron went 29-7-5 in this game. Not gonna blow you away, but 10 of 17 from the field and 9-11 uh, from the free throw line. He Can got. Can you say that one more time for the people in the back? Nine, nine of eleven from the free throw line. Well, that's historic. He's, <laughs> he angers me with his free transcending very often. But he wasn't forcing his offense early. Kevin Love got off to a really good start, fourteen points in the first quarter, and LeBron was just letting it happen. And I think that's what he has to do with this team. I, I think for a lot of the season he's been trying to force his offense and force his hand. But uh, the ball was moving a lot better in this game. And again, Kevin Love was looking like Kevin Love. Yeah, I think LeBron. Uh, might have had a little bit of a hangover, and a lot of bit of a hangover, because we're at this point in the season. But kind of thinking about the way he had to finish last season, uh, literally the team on his back, and I think now he's getting into more of a rhythm of, hey, I've got these, I've got a good team around me. Yes, I've got quite possibly a great team around me, and really good young players. He just needs to kind of not lay back, but be ready to let someone else take the reins. Yeah, let the kids play. Yeah, you know. Uh, so next big topic, the Suns fire Jeff Hornacek, uh, who had been their coach for two and a half years, I think is a really good coach. I think Kyle were in an agreement on this, that he was in a just kind of bad situation. Yeah, I mean, he went, it, I don't know if amnesia hit him or what, but he just, he didn't forget how to coach. He's a good coach, but he has nobody to work with. And I think it was easiest for that Suns organization to make him a scapegoat instead of work with him to try to build a good team. Kyle, that's such a good point. Thank you. I, you're just spot on with that. I couldn't agree more. I think that the front office has really set them up for where they're at now. They did all those strange moves with the point guards, uh, with kind of playing musical chairs on who was coming in and who was going out. They traded uh, Dragic and basically got Danny Granger and two future first-round picks in return, which will probably both not be lottery picks. This is a really strong fundamental error here. You, you draft a guy like Goran and develop him, and they don't get anything in return. That's developing an asset, not getting anything in return. When they traded Isaiah Thomas, they got Marcus Thornton in return, and Cleveland's 2016 first-round pick, which is basically a second-round pick, yeah. won't do much for them. So you're getting fleeced in these trades, and not to mention, in the offseason, Detroit fleeces them by getting Marcus Morris for nothing, yeah. a 2020 second-round pick. Yeah, we talked about that trade a lot uh, off the show, and it it's just not a good. I mean, fourteen and thirty six is bad. bad, really bad. I just don't think it's coaching. I don't think coaching was the issue. Um, but when you fire when you fire your head coach in the middle of the season, the public perception is it was coaching. He's a good coach. He'll get another job. He will get another maybe, job. Uh, maybe, maybe. Uh, no, Scott Scott. They like Scott Skiles. I think he's building there. But what about uh, Minnesota? Huh? Ooh, really? All foreshadowing you're doing. It's getting dark in here with all the shadow. Foreshadowing. <laughs> okay. Okay. Last uh, big topic, and as Kyle stated before the show, not really a big topic because this seems to be happening all of the time. Steph Curry dominating, going for 51 last night. 25 in the first quarter. He had 11 threes all game. It's. Is that I, good? I wrote. Did he break it? I wrote 11 threes, 51 points. That's about it. There's. I mean. 
it's becoming a tired narrative in the sense that we know what to expect from Steph Curry. It's if he would have gone for six points, it'd be a bigger story. Yeah. Um, it's we've talked about a lot this we talk about this a lot with LeBron. We're becoming numb to what he can do. I'm not. You're you're already becoming numb to what this dude is doing. To what Steph's doing? Yes. Hell yeah. What? All, he's going to go out there and shoot a lot of threes and score a lot of points and win a back-to-back NBA title. I'm, I'm over it. So, so you're I'm more. Bored. You're bored. No, right I'm now. bored with Steph. I'm not bored with the team. What okay. Golden State's doing is incredible. What Draymond and Clay and Steph, what they can do is incredible. But with Steph, I don't really care anymore. So much shade on this guy. Stop! I just gave the team credit. <laughs> I can't dislike Steph. You know where this this thing from Steph comes. Get your kid off the podium in the okay. NBA Finals. Okay. Not a Riley Curry fan? Not a Riley Curry fan. <laughs> okay, so when I saw this and, you know, I'm, I'm seeing my updates on my phone go, Steph has this many points in the first quarter. Steph has this many points at halftime. I'm like, okay, I, I, this is what Steph does. But at the end of the game, he's one off of the record for most threes in a game, which he will break. He, he might break this week. Yeah, at any point, like, he's going to break that record. Yeah. It's just going to happen. But then... It got me thinking beyond that, he's probably going to break points in a game record. He's probably going to. In that system, Clay goes for 37 and a quarter last season. There's some crazy game. Points in a quarter or points in a game? You you remember Clay had 37 and a quarter last year. No, 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 I remember that. You're saying he's going to break which record? Points in a game? I think he's going to break points. You think he's going to score 101 points at least in a game? Okay, sorry. I think he's going to break Kobe's record of 80. Okay. I don't think Wilt's record will ever come down. I don't well, think that's what I'm saying. There's no team out there that has... Steph breaking these records is more about a team that can stick with Golden State. Because he only played 36 minutes last night. Yes. Given another minute, he ties the record. Yeah. So... Which, Kobe, which Kobe is tied for. Yeah. And it wasn't so, the 81-point game, actually. Interesting. Sorry. No, I get no. I just all these records. Someone's got to keep up with them. So until we see a team, obviously it wasn't the Spurs. Maybe in San Antonio, Steph has to go for fifteen threes. Well, I think it's going to be a more random middle of the pack team that wants to try to run with the Warriors, and they get caught up in this. You know, by the end of the game, it's like a Maybe double overtime game. It's like one forty, one forty two is the final, and Steph has like eighty three points. On like 15 points. I can see that. That's more realistic. I initially thought you meant the 100 points. To me, that, that's a, I'm so glad you brought me back to earth there because for me, 81 points is the record. Like, Wilt's, Wilt's record just won't be well, touched. I mean, 100 points is the record. Okay, fair. 100 points is the record. <laughs> no, but but, I, but I, for I, a swingman, uh, 81 points is the record. Modern, and that's why Kobe's record is so impressive. Yeah, modern, I think it's more impressive than Wilt's. I'm sorry. No, but... 81 points in today's NBA because 100 points will never get touched. I mean, this isn't the Globetrotters versus Generals. I mean, this is real life, and there are real people playing against <laughs> Steph Curry. Um, and every you know, once in a while, Steph Curry is going to come across a Del Vadova that shuts him down. But hey. he's got he's got Delhi's all world defense. I mean, Steph could Steph could break the record with 28 threes. I, mean, I could just see him doing something <laughs> insane like that. He's like, you know what? They're going to flex the wrist a little He's bit already 26th all-time in made threes. He's good. He's really good. I heard, I heard he's pretty good. Okay, we're moving on. We are, we're moving on into our uh, youth movement segment here. And we had a graduation day? We're graduating. Oh. Graduating into our youth movement segment. And what we're going to do is we're going to do another spotlight between Carl Anthony Towns 
and Kristaps Porzingis. Porzingis. Two of the young stars of the NBA, young big stars of the NBA. And we're going to run it down. Kyle's going to talk about Carl Anthony Towns, and I'm going to talk about the Zinger. Kind of interesting. If you would have told me three months ago we were doing this segment, eh, maybe four months ago, I wouldn't expect to do this segment because Porzingis kind of came as a surprise to me. Oh, yeah. Um, but he's a he's a great player. He's so fun to watch. He's a very good player. The most fun to watch on that team, hands down. But Unless you're a Carmelo Anthony fan. They're, they still exist. There's some of they those exist. less... Uh, if you're if you're a Carmelo Anthony fan, you're listening. Let us know because <laughs> there are support groups. Um, Carl Anthony Towns is he's so good. He's really really good. And uh, Wiggins is kind of the headliner for that team, but Carl Anthony you think Towns. So? Oh yeah. Uh. But the organization is backing Carl Anthony Towns a hundred percent. A lot of what I read online is that he's in that locker room. He's just an open book. He'll take criticism from anybody better than anybody, and he's just. He's rising to the occasion game in, game out. In three months, he's improved just assists per game by point from point eight to two point two. He's he's better right now than Wiggins to a lot of people, and he will be better down the road. I think his star power is way higher than Wiggins, but everyone I mean, do you remember the Wiggins hype two years ago going into Kansas? It's interesting I mean, that you say that, because we're already looking down the road. This team will be good in the future. With these two pieces in place, if they don't put someone really dumb in charge of developing them, yeah. they're going to be very good. And I think it's funny that you mentioned the two together because their success and their legacies will kind of be tied to each other. You know, like who was better, who who played a bigger yeah, part. If they, yeah, kind of like what they do with Shaq and Kobe back in the early sure. 2000s. Different players, obviously, but still, the organization loves both these players. Um, but all the rumblings on anywhere you look is Carl Anthony Towns is just the easiest player to coach. He's a great teammate, and he's just there to learn. And I think that's a good indication of who he's going to be down the road. I mean, the numbers he's putting up right now are very, very good. He's averaging 10 rebounds a game, almost 17 points a game, um, almost two blocks a game. He's shooting 85% free throws. He's got range. He can step out, and he only takes one three a game, but he's averaging 39% on them. He's physical. He's really physical. Yes. But like you said, he can step out. Um, he's just he's six eleven, but he carries himself just like the biggest player on the court all the time. Yeah. At six eleven, you very well might be, but he's just a big guy in a big presence. But from the sounds of it, he's twenty years old. Seems like a great kid. Has a huge future with this organization and in the NBA as a whole. You know who's even bigger than Carl Anthony Towns? Something tells me it's Kristaps Porzingis. It's the Latvian superstar, Kristaps Porzingis. Uh, as you said, big surprise that he's done as well as he has. Uh, drafted fourth overall, third overall, fourth overall? Fourth. To the Knicks, and no one expected much. You were hearing all of the same conventional comparisons to a large, white, European basketball player that he's soft, that uh, he's not going to be able to play on the inside, he's just going to play on the outside. It won't translate. Going to be more Bargnani than he is Dirk, you know? But he's defied all of that. He he just has all the qualities that are kind of the opposite of that. He's really tough, doesn't mind playing on the inside. Uh, he's very confident in himself. And he's already elevated to statistical figures that, you know, I think he's about a year 
maybe two, maybe three years ahead of where people were projecting him. If people were, were looking at his stat line two years from now, three years from now, they'd be like, oh, he's coming along. Like, he's actually going to be a good player. Yeah. But he's doing it as a rookie. He's getting seven rebounds. He's getting 14 points a game. He's shooting 34% from three and taking four a game. So he's actually stepping out. He's also a very good free throw shooter, 84%. The Knicks are actually the best free throw shooting team in the NBA, which is kind of strange. He's getting two blocks a game. He's actually averaging more blocks a game than uh, Carl Anthony Towns. How old is Porzingis? He's either 17, well, he's not 17, he's either 18 or 19. Really, he's that young? Oh, yeah. Okay. I didn't know if he was one and of those. That's, that's just what he is on the record. <laughs> You never know. Latvian Customs might have been a little generous. <laughs> He's 36 years old. Um, yeah. <laughs> but is he, I mean, Dirk still is the most exciting uh, European player to me in the NBA right now. Uh, and Tony Parker. But I love watching Porzingis play. Yeah. And we, we were talking a little bit off the air about uh, he had a little flip behind the back pass that you'd miss. But he's just it goes to his confidence because he does go out there kind of as uh, just I'm going to show you what I can do because nobody expects anything. So he really started the season with nothing to lose. Yeah. And he has gone above and beyond what I'm assuming just about everybody thought he could do. Totally agree. Uh, people would be concerned about how he would translate to the NBA game and I think he's done it absolutely seamlessly. He he plays really hard. He plays really physical, and he's chippy. He's edgy. He wants to I was win. Say he's mentally get in your face. Yeah, he's mentally tough and more mentally sound, sound, sound than sound than, than uh, maybe somebody who I haven't heard very many interviews from him. So I don't know. You know sometimes you got you get these guys come over here. They don't speak the language, so they don't get in your face, yeah. or they don't have that edge to him. He does, and yeah. he's just ready to go. He's like a Latvian Kevin Garnett. Oh yeah, he's fucking seven foot three. Yeah, that too. I mean, he's he's a monster. <laughs> but the New York thing is really interesting uh, because it is New York. He's got a lot of eyes on him, and he's handling it. He's absolutely yeah. handling it. So he lives in White Plains with his two brothers, who both play professional basketball. So he's in a really good place outside of the game. Yeah. Um, it's just basketball, basketball, basketball. So all things going forward look really good for this guy. Uh, to be a star. If he stays healthy, this is going to be a really good NBA basketball player. And I wanted to say one last thing here, and that's that people want to make the easy comparison to Dirk, maybe because of his height. He's a big white dude. Uh, but I think he plays a much more physical game, and I want to compare him to Anthony Davis. And I actually looked at his stats, and Anthony Davis' rookie year, they had about the same amount of rebounds at this point. Chris Stapps is averaging more blocks a game, uh, more points a game, uh, shooting better free throws, and is about the same usage. So he's good. He's really good. And he shoots the three ball. Anthony Davis, 0 of 6 his rookie year from the three point line. He only took six rough. threes. Rough. Yeah. So a couple of the bright young big men of the NBA. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for both those guys. There's a lot of rookies out there that to be excited about, um, but those two guys in particular. I mean, they've won Rookie of the Month each month of the season. Yeah. So... I think they've elevated themselves. Like, yeah, I think separated that's themselves. So, I'm going to move us on to the next topic because I don't really want to move away from what I was just talking about. We're talking about teams of the future as far as real... Not like we did last week with who could you put together. Real teams today in their current state um, and who is the best moving on. 
to me, it's the Timberwolves. Okay. And a big reason of that is Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, they've and got we're basing this on all factors. So the, so the qualifiers are their payroll, the, the quali- their existing roster. The qualifier is that they're out of the playoffs right now. Oh, okay, okay. The factors into the team of the future is things like that. You know, their coaching, front office, contracts, everything like that. But they have to be a team not currently in the playoffs. Okay. Um, and the Timberwolves with 15 wins, unless it's the second week of the season, are not in playoff contention. <laughs> the, the Ricky Rubio contract is horrible. It's really and that bad. was something you brought to my attention. It's really bad. Really, really bad. And the Timberwolves have done nothing but ruin their organization with drafts. Um, they missed on, oh, what's his name? Uh, oh, Steph Curry. Yeah, Steph Curry. Uh, twice. It took Johnny Flynn, though. Yeah, well, that uh, didn't <laughs> work out at all. <laughs> They're not very well coached either. Possibly Hornacek. Uh, possibly Hornacek. Um, we'll see where that goes, but, I mean, Zach Levine playing point guard a little bit. It's going to be interesting to see what direction they go, but with these three guys, meaning Towns, Wiggins, and Levine, they're on the right track. They're going um, up. It's just a matter of how, how high they can go. How quickly. I think your choice, and I know who they are, I'm not going to give it away, they're going to be better sooner. But the Timberwolves are going to get a lot better. Yes. And stay there for a long time. If they can keep these guys together. They have power pieces. They're going to stay together for a long, long time. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, so my team was the Utah Jazz. And based on the contracts they have, their existing roster, the draft picks that they have, their front office, this team is set up really well to do very well into the future. So when you look at the existing contracts they have, they've got Gordon Hayward on the hook for 15 this year, 16 and 17, which is about market value. If anything, you're getting a discount based on what he would get on the open market. Yeah, especially right now with that, that upgrade in the uh, Yeah, cap. Derek Favors, you got a 12, 11, then 12, which is great value. If he was on the open market, you would get a lot more than that. He's definitely set up to do well into the future. And then you've got Rudy Gobert at still on his rookie deal at one this year and two next year. Uh, obviously, your three best players, when you, they're all basically undervalued for what they're worth, you're looking really good. Their, their worst contract, if you want to call it worst contract, would be Alec Burks at 9, 10, 11, and 11. But you're not losing sleep over your 24-year-old shooting guard who gets you 15 a night and is shooting 39% from three. It's not bad. Uh, Trey Lyles, who they drafted last year, they have obviously on a rookie deal through 2018, 2019, already showing that he can be a versatile big man, set up for the how the league's, kind of the direction the league is going. Uh, good three-point shooter, good rebounder, uh, going to be a nice piece for them. Dante Axum, they, you know, it's tough I to say. He's, he's an exciting player, but it's tough to say what they really have with him. He's rehabbing an ACL right now. He's just kind of starting to do running and get back into the physical workout of things, but... They could have taken some other players in that spot, like uh, they could have had Aaron Gordon there, a um, couple other players. I think they took, they drafted fourth. Anyway, tough to see what they're going to do with point guard. Uh, they still have Trey Burke, and he's not a starting NBA point guard. No. Love him, but he's just not big enough. He, he's not that good of a shooter. So that's that's a hole for them, but... Otherwise, the roster is filling out really nicely. And as it stands, they're in ninth place in the West and might even end up in the playoffs this year. A little uh, bit of a easy pick for you. Yeah, I know. I picked it before you came in. 
I like that. I know that it, they are um, going to be down. a good team. Oh, you're not done? I'm not done. Oh, that's weird. So they don't. Didn't realize we were doing a three-hour pod today. <laughs> they don't owe any of their draft picks to anyone else. They have all okay. their draft picks, uh, but they're owed eight second-round picks, which don't typically amount to a lot. But then they also have a first-round pick too. Um, so they're in good shape there. Kevin O'Connor is their uh, vice president of basketball ops. Stays out of the news for the most part, but comes from a personnel and development role, and it shows. Uh, he was involved in drafting and developing Darren Williams, and the development of the players they have on their existing roster has been really good. So I think this team's set up to do really well, and Kyle, they're my team of the future. Uh, there's a lot to look forward to, and I think that's where we're going right now. We got the tortilla bag out. We got the tortilla bag, Kyle. All right, well, let's. Uh, we're going to pick three teams each. We'll go back to back to back. Uh, and we'll just kind of go What do we there. like about this team? What do we like about this team? What do they have to look forward to the most? Love it. Draw right. it. Draw it out, Kyle. All right. The Celtics. Oh, my God. There's so much to like. Isaiah Thomas. I mean, that's their biggest thing is Isaiah Thomas. That kid is going to be a superstar, I think. Oh, man. I couldn't disagree more. I think What? That, what? I like Isaiah Thomas a lot, but that's, that's kind of like their holdover piece. I, I Hold- think... He's maybe their most important player right now because he can score and their offense kind of flows off of him. He's their crunch time guy. But what they have to look forward to is Danny Ainge knows exactly what he's doing and how to rebuild a team. I mean, they're rebuilding right now, but they're still competitive. He's put together a team of guys that are all good. He has a 10-deep roster that is very good. I think Isaiah Thomas, as that team continues to grow, so will he. And I think he'll be an important piece for a long time with that team. I don't know about that. I think he's. A, I think he's just another asset. I think I could definitely see him getting traded, and I definitely think they'll be active before the trade deadline because they're set to have seven draft picks in this coming draft. Um, and, and I think who are those draft picks from? A lot of them are from Brooklyn. <laughs> Sorry, Brooklyn, but Ainge has just stacked up so many assets for that team. And man, I wanted to do my piece on them, but they're obviously like the fourth or fifth seed in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. So I couldn't do that. But lots to look forward to for them. All right, I'm drawing it out. All right, let's go. We got <clears throat> got the Kings. <laughs> <laughs> so, what they have most to look forward to is they have a player on their roster who is fourth in the league in scoring and fourth in rebounding. And whether he's a long-term fixture for that team, or whether they're going to use him to parlay into a trade for other valuable pieces. DeMarcus Cousins is by far the best thing that they have going forward. Yeah, I think effectively what happens with that team is based on DeMarcus Cousins, whether or not he's with them or not. Because there, he makes the team better. Trade-wise, he also makes the team better. Yeah, he's a top 10 guy in the league. And he's, you know, a little out there. A little out there on the personality scale. I still don't think he's a coach killer. I don't think it is either. I, like I think that. it's just a dif- dysfunctional organization. That's, again, like, if they don't have him, that team is looking very bleak for the most part. But he's definitely what they have most. Right, let me draw this out. Looking forward. The Raptors. Lots of lots of positive vibes yeah. coming from Toronto these days. And it's not the weekend or Drake. No, it could be. Sometimes it is. Beaver? Uh, I, I he's not from Toronto. 
He's from Canada. It's all so, one. Yeah, it's all one. Yeah. You're from Vancouver? Oh, you're from Edmonton. Well, Toronto's right right by Calgary, isn't it? Right? Toronto's like right here. And that's in like the... Uh, Do you uh, know where Calgary is? Yeah, it's in the Alberta province, right? The. It's uh, not close to here. You know what's close to here? Toronto. It's right by Vancouver, right? I don't like where this is going. Yeah. This is insulting. Vancouver and this is, uh, Toronto are like sister cities, right? I, this is a joke, right? This is a bit. Are we doing a bit? I don't know what because you're talking about. Vancouver's I, by Seattle. I know my Canadian geography really well. So, Toronto Raptors. Uh, <laughs> what they have to look forward to is kind of just building on the product they have at hand. This is a really good team. My girlfriend's from Toronto, and I play that game with her all the time. Go ahead. This is a really good team. Uh, a little bit better than I thought they were. they just coming off an 11-game win streak. And the only way to go is up with this team. I mean, yeah. they're young. They're really talented. I don't know, you know, where they are as far as draft picks or, you know, what they'll do with the trade deadline. But they're going to be good for years to come. Yeah. They're not quite up with the Cavs right now, and I think a fully healthy Bulls team is still better than them. But Toronto could be a fixture as the three or four, third or fourth best team in the East. They're, they've won 11 in a row, and they're still two and a half back of Cleveland. Yeah. So they've surged this much, and they're still short of Cleveland, who still hasn't played their best ball yet. So yeah, they're they're short of Cleveland, but there's a lot to be positive about with this team. Kyle sure. Lowry is playing really, really well. He's a perfect point guard for how the NBA looks today. DeMar DeRozan's going to get paid in the offseason. Whether it's Toronto that pays him or not is still yet to be seen. Probably won't be. He's probably going to go elsewhere. But there's still a lot of good pieces. they got uh, Monte Yunus on the team, and they got a good head coach. Their head coach is really good. He's got them playing really hard. So a lot to be Yeah, to they're in a very good spot. All right, Court Tortillas. I've got the uh, Portland Trailblazers, who lost four of their starters last year, but are still amazingly in the in the playoffs right now. They're the eighth seed in the West. Dame Lillard and CJ McCollum have been playing out of their minds. And obviously they have a culture at that team that is conducive to developing talent and players. Because they've brought along a lot of people and they don't have the assets that make you feel really good about them going in the future. But they have a system in place that makes you feel good yeah. that whatever decisions they make, personnel-wise, they're going to make the most of them. Yeah, I mean, the unpopular opinion, uh, I don't think it was super unpopular, but without Aldridge, I thought this team would be bottom three in we, the West. We all did, God. We all did. Kyle's last choice. All right, let's see. I think I have one. one. Oh, the Wizards. Interesting. Yeah, interesting, because I don't... I don't really know where to go with this. They I have John Wall. They have John Wall. That, I mean, that's always positive. And that's a reasonable contract. We've a lot of young teams here. Yeah. I, I mean, I just want to say youth for all these, but John Wall, he's... Really good. Very good, but I think he's kind of going to plateau soon. Interesting. Um, God, what to be positive? But he's plateauing at a place that keeping, is really, really, keeping, really Keeping high John high. Wall... There is something to be positive They've got, because yeah, he's, got, he's not going anywhere. I'm not going to say, oh, because you're in the best place to get KD, because you're not. No. That was a pipe dream from the beginning. But John Wall, if this is as good as it gets for John Wall, they're in a really good spot. And he's the cornerstone. They can just start building. They've got Gortat on the books for another, like, four years, which is a little brutal. But if Beal can stay on the court, that's another Yeah, getting Beal healthy is, yeah. 
So I think they're in a decent spot. They're going to fire their coach and look at someone in there that can probably develop talent a little better. And you think they're going to bring someone up from inside that organization, or are they going to look elsewhere? Hornacek. Oh, Hornacek on the radar. <laughs> All right, last one. Last one. Let's go. Yeah, got a good one. All right, we've got the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> yes. Is what there, is there to be positive? Is there honestly about? anything to be positive about with this team? You're Eventually, in, they're getting draft picks back. You're in New York City. Great market, great media market, but biggest yeah. media market. You have a new facility, and you have Brook Lopez, I guess, but he's expired, and then you have nothing. I mean, you can be positive that eventually it'll be 2020 and this, you can start building again. You know what's funny is we're looking at a team that this is this is probably I'm glad this one came up because this is probably the one that you would want to be the least if you were the executive or if you were a fan of this team because they have the fewest things going forward. They don't have any draft picks. Their money is still tied up in bad bad contracts, which are coming off the books like Joe Johnson and whatever. But uh, they just don't have the assets. They don't have a front office that has shown that they can do any of these things in a positive way. So not only in basketball, but in pro sports. They might be set up as one of the worst pro sports teams going into the yeah, future. Yeah, there's just not a lot to look forward to. And, you know, they tried to win big and spend big so early. Yeah. And we talked I mean, we talked about this here before. It's a bad situation for a long, long time. Long time. Well, that was fun. That I was fun. I, hey, just uh, shits and giggles. Sunday, there's a pretty... Decent big game coming up. Broncos or Panthers? Uh, Super Bowl. Um, I'm going to go and stick with the Panthers because I don't think that Peyton can score enough points on that defense. Yeah, I'm going to go with the LeBron James quarterbacks too. It's all about Cam. Interesting. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Stop, Pop, and Drop podcast brought to you by the Runner Sports. Thank you, Actar Actar, for our theme music. And thank you all very much for listening. Check out our bonus pod with Rob Parker. You will enjoy it. Always a pleasure, guys. Thanks for listening.